Hello, welcome to Director's Debrief, episode 36. Today we have Oliver Duffy Lee, and as always, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself briefly. Well, hey, uh, I'm, I'm Oli Duffy Lee. Um, I guess the, the, the first place we should start for me introducing myself is as marketing director for World Products. Yeah. Um, which uh, is obviously how I encountered you. I actually still always, I still remember the first time I met you, actually. You were uh, a very young, a very young chap back then uh, who'd just been hired to be the social media manager for Indian Mar. Yeah. Do you remember the day? I don't remember the day I met you, no. I remember, this is so funny. So um, uh, at the time, like me and Ash were, I wasn't working with Ash at all. But me and Ash, I was sort of advising on some marketing stuff. And um, you, you were talking about the new videos you were shooting for Indian Mart. And uh, I had said, and I, I just was trying to make conversation. I was like, you know, at the time, take, oh this, is, this is so funny. This is so not what you wanted to talk about, I know. But at the time, remember Tasty? Yeah. Tasty had blown yeah. up. And they used to do these videos where they would have the camera over the food. Yeah. And I said, and I was like, you know, a good, could be could you could do some videos like Tasty. Yeah. And you literally turned around and said, actually, we're trying to do something completely different to that. Oh, for fuck. Why, why was I that guy? That's why was first, I that guy? That's the first time we met. Do you, was, do you know what I really hate more? What? We ended up doing I that. I know you did. I know, because that's what everyone was doing at the time. Um, oh, so man. yeah, man, that was hilarious. But now we work together, yeah. um, and I should I should say I want to hijack this a little bit and just Go say um, give you a bit of praise oh. because um, I think you are absolutely amazing at what you do. The amount of times so in my other uh, role, what I do is I advise agency owners mm. and help them how to grow. And I would say probably, and I often obviously reference the work we do with World Products because I'm pretty proud of the work we do with World Products. I think it's it's really impressive, right? even if I do say so myself. <laughs> we are great. Um, and there's so many times when I've said to people who sort of like agency owners who they have, who take on most of the work themselves, and I literally say, you need a Sam Wandy. I was like, you need, what you need is you need a Sam Wandy, someone who's just incredibly innovative, incredibly committed, someone who you know is going home at, six or seven o'clock and he's going to come in on nine in the morning with about 10 new ideas about how to solve that problem and he's probably just going to go and solve them themselves so i reference you a lot i just, want, you, I just want to start by saying genuinely that. flattered you've never mentioned yeah. this before so. no i thought this would be a good time to mention it thanks actually. man i thought it'd be a good time i'm, to I'm sweating because of the compliments and the 30 degrees <laughs> that's really really kind of you um but this is more on you i know i know <laughs> let's, let's I flip know. this back but that's, but that's me so uh, those are the two things i do really yeah. i I uh, work with you with World Products and I coach agency owners on how to grow their business. Um, and you are self-employed. You run your own business. Correct. And I have a couple of questions around that and we'll sort of build up to that. Mm -hmm. But I always argue that doing something like that generally takes quite a bit of courage. It takes, not courage, certain attributes of a person. Yeah. And I kind of want to spend this time digging at where those may have come from. Mm -hmm. um, so... First off, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because you've had quite an interesting career. Yeah. What did I want to be? You know, it's funny. I, um, I wish I had spent a bit more time thinking about that. Okay. Um, because I don't think I thought about it ever. Uh, so I went to... I, okay, I was really fortunate. I went to a good school. Went to university. Um, at university, fell into DJing. 
we had a, a nightclub, a sort of nightclub promotions business. Like we put on student nights and stuff. It was really good. And I did that like for five years and it was pretty successful. Like we probably turned over, it was a six figure business, I would say. Right. So it was okay. But even then I didn't think that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even thought, what do I, what do I want to do until I was probably about two years into my first job. So when you asked me, what did you want to do when you were younger? Mm-hmm. My only answer is I just wish I'd spent a bit more time thinking about it. I don't know what effect that would have had. Like, I'm really happy with where I am now, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm in a great place, but who knows? A bit more consciousness, a bit more purpose and intention. Yeah. Something else might have happened. Your first job, when was that? Well, you said two years into your first job. How old were so you So, I don't know how old I was. I had, I took my time. So, I had a gap year. Then I went to uni. Then I did a four-year course. So, by the time I came out of uni, that was probably, like, 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know the story about how my car got stolen. So, you, you know, briefly mentioned it. Yeah, so I was DJing in Ibiza, that's what we were doing. I came back, we were doing our second season in Ibiza, we were getting some traction, we were taking our night from the UK to Ibiza, it was all good. Came home to graduate, went out to celebrate that night, obviously, and that night, the house I was staying at and my car got stolen. No, so the house didn't get stolen because that would be ridiculous. That would be hard. The house got burgled and my car got stolen. And in my car was um, my passport and all of my CDs. So back then, if you were a DJ, you had CDs. You didn't have... It was just CDs, basically. (laughs) And so I probably could have, like, pulled myself together, got all my music back, got a new passport. But instead, I just got a job. Mm -hmm. And the only job I, I... uh, applied for and didn't get a few recruitment jobs. That's what all of my friends were doing at the time was recruitment. Yeah. It was a big, it was a growing industry. Didn't get any of them. Ironically, because they didn't think I was a good enough salesperson, which is funny. Um, and then I got a job as a copywriter. And so I was a copywriter in an agency. Well, that I didn't know. Yeah, that was my first job, was a copywriter in an agency. Yeah. And, um, but like so fast when I was like not, I'm not like the creative guy. Like so, so fast moved from copywriting into client management and then into sales and, and business development and all that good stuff after that. The point I was kind of wanting to allude to though is that I think at that point, you know, you'd graduated, right? Mm-hmm. Probably, so two years odd, probably around 23 or so you mentioned? I think so, yeah, 23, 24. I always thought that, I have this discussion with my brother all the time. Older or younger brother? Older brother. Yeah. Tw- 17 is always really, really hard to choose. There's certain things that will just fix you on a path, mm-hmm. like medicine. Yeah. It's really hard to decide, I want to be a doctor when I'm 17. Yeah. Um, so at tw- you, mentioned, you do say like at 23, that's when, well, you mentioned you want more consciousness. Mm-hmm. You think you would have, how, how would you think it would look differently if you did back at 17? I have no idea, but I mean, like, put it this way. I'm pretty passionate about marketing now. Yeah. And, and a very niche like side of marketing as well. But like back then, I really didn't care less. I cared a lot about people. I knew I was interested in people. I was always very sociable, so I enjoyed like, interacting with people. Mm. Um, but I have no idea what it would have looked like, man. But I mean, you know, when you're 17, everyone's like, what's your passion? What are you passionate about? Yeah. Um, I just think it's... I, are we swearing on this podcast? How does, this, how does it work? Yeah, you no swear quite a lot. I think this passion thing is a load of bullshit because I don't think many kids know... Um, I don't even think they know what passion is. I mean, if you're... If you're a, and this is especially the... I think this is more the case for 
for young teenage boys than it is girls. I'm not sure. I just get that feeling. Mm. When you're a 13 or 14 year old boy, it's built in you that you must not care about anything. You must not. It's like if you care about getting good grades, you're a loser. Yeah. If you care about trying hard at football, you're a loser. You're either yeah, good or you're yeah. not. If you care about a girl, you're a loser, right? So, like, it's built in. I always felt this anyway. When I was young, it was built in to me to not care about anything. I had to. That's what being cool was. Yeah. And at the same time, everyone else who's older than you saying, what are you passionate about? Because <laughs> like, dude, I'm being told I'm not supposed to care about anything. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I think, I think that was a bit of... Um, I don't know, early stage toxic masculinity and sort of, you know, you're not supposed to care about anything. Just if you're good, you're good. If you're not, then you're a loser. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what it would have done, would it would have changed anything. But all I do know is that I didn't put any conscious thought into it for years and years and years. That's really it. I'm just thinking back now. He's right. It's true, like, right? Like it's school, school and girls are like the main thing. Like you, you act like you don't care. Yeah, not supposed to care. You're not supposed to care. Holy shit. I did <laughs> not this, need this, this on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we took. We, so one of the things we do um, um, at Authority Agency, which is my business, mm. is we virtually, as in online, we go to schools and we talk to them about how to build a business yeah. or how to start a business. And the one thing I say is you have to care. Like you you cannot, you won't, if you... If you play along with this narrative, if it's not cool to care, mm. you won't get as far. Whereas if you do, you accept that it's okay to care and you want to put effort in, that's okay. And that's my main message to these people because I think they get absolutely, I think that's a really, really horrible uh, mindset. And it, it's just I, definitely something I found anyway. We're going to ask you more about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I want to ask, so you were a DJ for a while. Yeah. Then you got your first job as a copywriter and moved your way into account management. Yeah. Uh, then you stopped and set up your own business. Yeah. Why? Um, so I guess the, the short answer to that is freedom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of people talk about the three types of freedom. So time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom. Mm-hmm. And working for Holy someone, shit, that's what you've been working for. So these, <laughs> these are the three types of freedom that, that you want in your life, or that yeah. I think you want in your life. Time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. So it was very, very clear to me. Anyone that's in the agency world will probably know or will be working out. If you don't own the business, it's very hard to be financially free. Unless you own the business or the clients, it's very hard to be financially free. So um, that, was the, that was the financial part. Uh, Siri's trying to communicate over there. I don't know if. Uh... There you go. Chill, Siri. Chill, Siri. Should be cool. Um, yeah, you either. So you want those three freedoms: time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom. If you don't own the place, very hard to be financially free. That was the first thing I knew. And like the agency I was working for, who I should probably say unnamed, or you can probably just look on LinkedIn if you want. Um, I was earning a massive part of their revenue. And I was getting a decent bonus, but like none of the, the dividends or whatever. So financial freedom was not there. This was also a company that was determined to keep everyone in the office. So location freedom was not there. This was also a company that was absolutely a stickler for nine to five, mm. nine to five thirty actually, which I just do not understand. So those three things, it was very, very clear I had to set up my own business. 
Um, how's that going? It's a good question to ask. Financial freedom's much, much better. Um, location freedom is amazing. We can be anywhere. Time freedom was the thing I really thought. This was the thing I thought, I'll be at the gym every lunchtime, dude. Mm. Like, I'll probably take two hour sessions in the gym, 12 till two. I'll probably have a coffee afterwards. Like, I have less time now than I've ever had before. I'm surprised we managed to fit this I'm in. I'm really lucky that I caught you <laughs> in Leicester with yeah. a free hour. Um, yeah, I'm surprised this is happening. So, so the reason why was freedom. Um, the, the financial and, and location's going well. Like, I mean, location-wise, we've been to some amazing places this year and we will for the rest of this year. And, and I'm lucky enough as well that Kira, my wife, also works for herself and she's part of my business. Mm. So I, I actually speak to a lot of agency owners who they are on the same path. They want time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom, but their partner has a job, a nine to five job, but they'll never be able to be abroad or be out of the office. And then you've got a problem, right? Because then you can't, you can't live that thing. I'm just like, there are people, people messaging me, what should I do? It's like, I don't know, dude. Like, like There's one option, but I don't want to tell you that option. So the re- that's why we did it. Um, honestly speaking, I think um, I need to, in terms of re- revisiting those three priorities, I need to work on the time freedom massively. Mm. Because at the moment, uh, it's very, very normal for me to pull, I'd say a, a 50 hour week is normal, 60 hour weeks happen sometimes, sometimes it's 70, 80 hour weeks. Mm. And I actually don't, like, I, I love it, right? Like I still love the work, but Doing that for two or three years is fine, but doing it for 10 years, like that's a big chunk of your life. And that's a lot of hours you're spending working when you could be doing other things. So um, that's why I did it, how it's going as well. But the time freedom is, is definitely something that just hit me like, like a truck. Like I didn't expect that, that side of things to be so hard, I would say. How, how do you get 70 hours out of you? Like that's something, I work a lot, but... There's, there are times, surely, where you're like, I could get this done in an hour, but it involves going to grab your laptop, setting it up <laughs> in time. Like, do you go through that? Because I, I, I know you work a shit ton. One of, one of the problems um, with the business model that I've set up is that um, I've been very liberal with selling access to me mm-hmm. and my time. So a lot of our coaching is like, we have, we have group coaching, but a lot of it is they, people have access to me one-to-one. Mm-hmm. which is obviously amazing um, for me to learn. Uh, it's also amazing for me to hone my coaching craft, um, but it's very unscalable. Mm. And so even if in a 70-hour week, if 35 or 40 hours of that was on Zoom, the actual work that you're getting done, like the good work, that stuff that doesn't require you just talking to someone, um, isn't that much, mm. actually. So that's one of the problems is, you know, um, what day is it today, by the way? Monday. Monday, exactly. That's why we're talking, right? Because if it was a Tuesday, like tomorrow, I'm, I, don't, I haven't looked at my diary yet, but most of the day from like eight until six will be me on Zoom. Mm. And, I, and I won't have got any work done. I would have just spoken to people for a whole day, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so t- that time management thing, and that's how I get 70 hour week work, work we've done, is just most of it's on Zoom, speaking to people. Does that not drain you at all? Massively. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugely. This is it's completely unsustainable. <laughs> <laughs> that is what you started off by saying. It's completely unsustainable. Um, but like, 
you know, it's also quite new to me. Like I've, I've, I've all, I'm always very open to people that before two and a half years ago, I wasn't a coach. So now coaching people and them paying us good money for us to coach them on stuff, I need to get my coaching hours in, right? Like I need to hone my craft so that I can understand people's problems better and solve them quicker and all of that stuff. So yeah, it drains me, but it's probably for the best right now, I would say. And quitting your job and setting up your own business must have been an intimidating feat. Mm. Would you say it was? Yeah, I mean, it's very, very scary. Yeah. I think I think it's the classic, the classic thing that people say is like, it's is it scarier to give away, give up your salary, and quit your job, or to still be in your job in ten years time? Like, which is actually scarier, right? Yeah. So there's that. But I mean, look, practicality of it is, you quit your job, and the first thing you think is, how am I going to replace my salary? You quickly replace your salary, and then you realize, but I got so many more expenses than I had before. <laughs> so, so everything changes in terms of your perception of money and and where the money's going to come from and stuff like that. But the actual, the actual quitting of your job is very, very scary. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, and very, very stressful, man. Like it's a stressful experience. It's it's very easy. Like having a salary, is is nice, and and it might feel stressful the job itself, but it's. It's nothing like running your own business and living every month. You get to the end of the month, you're like, did we make profit? How much profit did we make? How can we use the profit? Do we take it out and go on a nice holiday? <laughs> like this stuff is this stuff is different. It's a different level of of investment. And yeah. Um, but was it scary? Yeah, it was very scary. I would say this though, the pandemic sped everything up for me. Yeah. Because I had some massive projects with my old client um, for September 2020. One of them, and these were big, these were, these were million pound projects. One of them was a big event. So that got crushed straight away. Mm. And at that point, that was kind of the reason I was holding on. At that point, I just thought there probably will be um, people leaving the business. I might not be one of them. I don't want to be around and then leave. It didn't feel right. So everything was sped up for me by the pandemic anyway. So that fear was kind of taken out of it because it just felt like the right time. Yeah, if you know what I mean. For sure. And your old job, you said you manage. You've said this to me before, but I've forgotten some of the details. You used to manage projects, obviously, which involved people. Yeah. Now you kind of do a similar thing in your own business. What's that transition been like? How and how how different is that? Because you did mention to me at one point it was very different. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought, I honestly thought, and you can, I'm really, this is so cringe. I don't, I haven't removed them just through, just for the sake of authenticity. But I used to write a lot of articles about leadership. Shit, I'm thinking about doing that. Okay, so this is, this is mad, right? So I used to write loads. You can check, like, like probably 50 plus articles about leadership. I used to think I knew my stuff about leadership. And some of it's good. Yeah. I've read, I've read back, some of it's okay. But dude, I am such a bad leader now. Like I used to think I was a great leader. I had a nice core team of four people. Each of them in a project could be running a team of like 10 people. It was big. Like it was like these projects were big and I thought I was really good at it because frankly, I didn't have to do anything. Like the, the guys were so good. Right. And fortunately, a couple of them now work in my team now, which is amazing. Mm. But what I realized when it's your own cash and it's your own profit and it's all this stuff I, my leadership skills melted away completely 
a cornerstone of what I thought was really important for leadership and I still do is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just lost it. All. Like I just didn't, I just lost all of my empathy for the people that worked for me because I just didn't, I just thought they didn't understand the importance of everything, yeah. basically, which probably they don't. And why should they? Well, the stakes are all on you. Yeah, exactly. But nobody gets. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. they shouldn't. I mean, and they shouldn't. Like, yeah, they shouldn't at all. Like in my old job, I could still go home and not really care about the state of the business. Mm. Um, so it was completely different. And to the point now where um, like we, we hired someone today, we onboarded them today. And today was the first time I'd spoken to this person. Kira has sourced them, has interviewed them, mm. has taken them through the onboarding and agreed to hire them and today I speak to them because it's good that I meet them of course. But like but like I'm definitely not their manager and I won't be because it turns out it's not I'm just not a very good leader when it comes to my own business <laughs> and I really thought I was great so um it's I think leaderships it's one of those things like I think you're a great leader man like when the way I've sent and talk about your team and the way you work with your team I think you're a great leader I th- the thing is though I think that what you're Something you touched on. I think you have to think to some extent that you're not a great leader. Mm. That makes you a better one. That's a good point. There's so many things that I'm, on a regular basis, it's occurring to me like, I, holy fuck. Like, I can't believe that. And like, empathy is a really good one. Another one which kind of ties into it is this feeling of um, people knowing what's, this is going to sound really messed up, but people knowing what's best for them, they generally don't. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've, I've gotten into some heat before about saying that I don't like flexi hours. I think you should agree on certain Ooh. terms beforehand. I know you disagree Ooh. with this. But <laughs> no, it depends with different yeah. businesses, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, LinkedIn didn't think so. <laughs> they really didn't like that. But I, I do think that um, there's, there's the old quote of, uh, if I think Henry Ford said this, if you ask the people what they want, they probably would have said a faster horse. Faster horses, yeah. And I think that applies in business of, um, you know, as a leader, it is your responsibility to sort of propel people in certain directions. And that does involve certain harsh conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that people maybe shy away from it or this modern culture of do what you want is is a bit dangerous. And I, can't, I leaned into that heavily. I was like, well, wait, we've hired these people to do their job, so I'm gonna let them explore the full range of their creativity and do that. But often or not, when you give people complete freedom, I don't think it generally goes like that. I think it does require certain levels of discipline and as a manager, it's kind of your responsibility to do that. And that was a big wake-up call for me. I think that's such a good point. Mm. I'd never really thought about that because um, when you're younger mm. and like if you like going out and you like having a good life and just like really like caning it at the weekend, mm. that flexibility is probably not going to do you any favours because... Are you going to be that motivated to do that much on Monday? Mm. Probably not on Tuesday either. You might like ramp up by Wednesday. And I think, yeah, you're right. I think like a lot of the, the sort of leaders or managers or bosses I had when I was just starting, they made me do a ton of stuff I didn't want to do. But that improved me so much. Yeah, I think sure. it's a great. I think it's a great point. And it's scary because that's that responsibility. I'm I'm seeing a lot of my friends who have been in their career. I mean, I'm 26. A lot of people have been in their career three or four years. They're moving into management positions, mm-hmm. and these conversations are intimidating. You have to sit across from somebody. Yeah. And go. What you did was bad, and mm-hmm. this is what good looks like. Yeah. And again, even within that, there is a way of navigating that conversation. Yeah. Only at World Products did I learn. Um, I, I toyed with this, but I didn't understand it as a concept, but that you should always leave the conversation with expectations of better. 
I've been in so many conversations with management where they're like, what you did was wrong. What do you have to say for yourself? And that'll be the end. You explain That's yourself and you move on. Whereas uh, I got this from the One Minute Manager, which is a great, great book. book. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. And it's kind it's of... It's really nice book, that one, yeah. He says you always have to end it with a, uh, not a positive, because that's what other people have called to me, a, a bullshit sandwich. Shit sandwich, yeah. Yeah. Compliment, criticism. Yeah, like, compliment. Well, yeah, compliment. You're only going to remember the compliments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you should do is if um, somebody starts performing badly, you don't say, look, your performance isn't up to scratch. You say, your performance isn't up to scratch, but I know what you're made of. Go show me what you're made of. That's mm-hmm. how you end it on a positive. Yeah. Um, or on higher expectation. And again, that's like, you know, you should, should you be setting all these expectations on, on people? Yes. That's, yeah. how, that's how you raise the bar for people. Yeah. Um, so again, all of these things I've learned over a short span of time. Yeah. And I've still, there are certain things, I mean, to you, I said, we're trying to be different from Tasty. I'm learning as a human. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got flaws. I know I do. <laughs> um, I think, I think the, the key there, one of the best leadership lessons I, le- I, I learned was, um, you know, ask or tell. Sometimes you tell, sometimes you ask, right, yeah. to get the lesson across. But the thing that I found, all of these things I knew, but they literally didn't, they literally just melted away um, because I was like, this, this thing's more important. Mm. And, it, and that's, I think, I don't know, you probably speak to a lot of business owners on this podcast and I'm, I'm very curious if they have the same thing, but it's just different. The ball game is just different. You've got to learn to be a better leader mm. and, a, and a more patient person, I think. Um, but yeah yeah it's an interesting one yeah it's interesting when you get to your age and all of your friends are starting to become managers and leaders that's why I worked on our blog yeah because yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky I, I became a manager at the age of 20 in retail um, it's really hard as a 20 year old to tell off like a 45 year old <laughs> really fucking hard um, but again I, I've been fortunate to be in a management position for like four years and some of my friends yeah. are just starting to enter this position but do you enjoy it? You yes, do, right? oh, man, it's stressful. I lose beard hair over it, but I do. I really enjoy it because, the, you know, you just pull levers and you don't see the difference for like two or three weeks. But there's, there's moments. I, who, we have some managers now that we've promoted at World Products. You, you know, we've got like an upstairs bit to the office. Yeah. Like just every now and again, once you've been working with your team for about a year, just come and stand up here and like, just look, everything the light touches, you have, ma- you have managed it. <laughs> it's just a, like a moment of pride. I remember O2 when, you know, I see a really good sales interaction. Yeah. You kind of feel like you, you didn't do it. You planted the seed. 100%. Yeah. And you get to, you, it's a sense of pride in that. Nice. Um, okay, I want to ask you a couple of other fun stuff. You say you travel a lot, which I, I know yes. for a fact you're really hard to track down. <laughs> yes. Um, what, did you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the one, there's two things that are really important to us. Um, one is the sun. Yeah. And, 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 I would say, and I would say, like, sun and heat, right? So, like, like, it needs to be hot. Like, I'm loving this right now. Two kryptonites, yeah. Um, and the other is nature. Mm. Um, like, this was definitely, I didn't, I didn't care before I was with Kira, but Kira is massively big on nature. Mm. And I found it to be very, very... Um, calming therapeutic being in nature and and being surrounded by it all the time not just sometimes so you know we're in the center of leicester right now um very really hot and there's not much nature um admittedly we are moving to london also not much nature (laughs) or heat there um so so we want to be we want to travel to places where there are so like we've spent this summer a lot of the summer in spain Mm. we've been in france and italy we're hopefully going to bali well we are going to bali in a month 
hopefully going to India over Christmas. The thing for us is like, just be around nature and be somewhere where it's hot. Mm. I mean, if, you know, you have the whole world to live in, right? We're so lucky. I mean, um, did you, you grew up in the UK or did you grew up in Sweden? Sweden? Until what age? Eight. I mean, it's, it's actually the same thing from what I'm saying, but it's okay. just interesting anyway. Um, we're very lucky to have grown up in extremely stable countries. Mm-hmm. Like um, countries where your your quality of life is very very high, um, you know. On the whole, whether you agree with the governments or not, they generally tend to look after the population. Um, might want to cut that bit out. I um, <laughs> no, I get what you mean because th- I'm somebody who kind of almost publicly dislikes them. Yeah, so, yeah, doing all right. Yeah, you're you know, fine, I, right? I don't like them, but we're not under terror threat. And- no, no, exactly. I mean, I. I I personally hate them as well, but like, you know, what I'm saying is that it doesn't really matter so much who's in, you're in a safe country, right? Yeah. So the point is... That person really disagrees. <laughs> he really hates it. <laughs> the point is it's like, there's really no reason to leave. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one reason to leave the UK is the weather, because it's mm. so, so bad. And, and genuinely, dude, it affects me a lot. Like cold weather over an extended period of time makes me not that happy. Mm. It just doesn't. And the opposite, warm weather over an extended period of time makes me really happy. It may, really makes me relax. So, yeah, we travel for that reason. We also, um, you know, we plan to have a family. And I think in this period, even up until our children may be three or four years old, we can travel more. But then it's a bit unfair to take them and take them to, put them to different schools all the time and things like that. So, yes, we want to travel now, but probably also we're looking at this period as like a nice golden period where we can do that and I don't think that'll be forever if that makes sense yeah so traveling good weather good nature all of these places you also yeah. spend some time in Portugal some time in Amsterdam yeah. Isle of Wight I'm just trying to get yeah. a feel here you travel a lot yes yeah yeah um, which also means you encounter a lot of cultures a lot mm-hmm. has there been any sort of like lessons that you've learned along the way people that you've met on your journey that have kind of influenced you as a business are there any standout stories there um not really. I, th- I, was, I, I, was, I would say the one culture which I've been influenced a lot by is Japanese culture. Okay. So before, in my previous role, I had a Japanese cl- client. I was so lucky to have a Japanese client. And we were there a lot. Like, I probably went there 30 or 40 times in the time I worked wow. there. It's Tokyo. And the way they conduct meetings, I would say this is the best thing I learned from a different culture, right? The way they conduct meetings is and they took this way too far, by the way, um, is you cannot, it's impossible to have a meeting without an agenda. Okay. You just can't. Like, if there's not an agenda for a meeting beforehand, they will either not turn up, or they will, you'll stand outside the meeting room, and you'll agree the agenda, and then you'll walk into the meeting room. Okay. Like, you have to have an agenda. And I think the, their, their meeting um, efficiency was really, really good. Also, really interesting thing about Japanese uh, business culture, this is great, right? So if you have a room uh, and you have a door, say the door's in this side of the room, right? And the table's through the middle. Mm-hmm. The most important person in the, in the meeting has to sit the, far, the furthest away from the door, okay. right? The reason for this, I've been told, is that it goes back a long, long time to the days that if a samurai were to attack the meeting, wow. all of this person, who is probably a man, to be honest, mm-hmm. his henchman, would be there to defend him before the samurai got right. to him. And it's weird things like this that you picked up, which was really, really interesting and hilarious. But no, meeting efficiency, Japanese culture, that was great. 
Um, to be honest, man, I would say uh, I've never been somewhere where business is really done differently. Like if you are good with people, if you can have a conversation with people, like if you can communicate your value well, it's all the same, man. Where are your like are most of, if not all your clients based in the UK or do you have people based all around? So we did initially try to go worldwide and I, that was kind of fun because we picked up clients in uh, Lebanon, Indonesia, Australia, South Africa, America. And in the last nine months, we've gone purely UK. Okay. Two reasons why. One is because um, when I looked at my sales conversion rate mm. worldwide, it was about 30%. Yeah. And UK, it was about 90%. One of the main reasons why is because of value perception. Mm -hmm. So like if, if say, for, for the sake of argument, our fees are $1,000 a month, if we sell, try and sell that to an Indian agency, that agency could look at $1,000 and say, well, I could probably hire five people for that. Right, right. So even if they've got the cash, the perception of it's more. Yeah. Whereas here, you can't hire anyone for that. Yeah. So it's seen as less. But the other reason I think is because there's something to be said in focusing where you want to grow your brand. Mm -hmm. Like for, for us, I mean, we call our agency authority agency, right? Like we, we are all about growing authority around our brand. Mm -hmm. And I think it just it's natural to, the more focused you are on one area, the quicker that brand and authority building can happen. Um, so yeah, our, our clients are purely in, in the UK now. I know you as 99% Oliver Duffy Lee, marketing director at World, World Products, and you know, friend, sure. But the, I, what the hell do you do? <laughs> I have no idea what authority agency does. Really? No, I, well, I once told you what I thought it did, and you're like, no, not, not even close. <laughs> And then you, I think you briefly explained it. I know that you're a business coach. I know that you go yeah. in and, and, and you coach businesses. Um, <laughs> but what does that mean? Well, so there's, I guess there's two sides to it, right? There's, I know this, I guess there's three sides to it. There's the stuff you coach, so the content, there's the coaching itself, and then there's the community you build, right? right? So like if the content, like we've got tons of content, right? If the content alone was enough, then me and you would probably be sitting here with like, six-pack apps because we know what we need to do right mm -hmm. like do some sit-ups and yeah. <laughs> maybe drink one or two less beers or something yeah. I don't know um, I don't even know if you drink hey beers. man I'm Coke Zero that's true that's true um, so the content is something and the content is based around like positioning an agency like I think World Products the way we position ourselves is honestly incredible like the, it's so, and, I, and I draw so much of what we coach in the way that we have positioned World Products because we've got a, such a strong niche or, mm. or a position in a market. We've got such a great service offering and we know exactly what problems we solve for our clients. So we do a lot of that, right? We teach them how to do that. Mm. Then we teach them how to attract. So how to attract um, the right sort of clients through good content, through outreach, through running events, all the sort of stuff that we do as well. Um, and then we teach them how to sell. So like how to uh, convert prospects into clients. And so that's the content we coach it as well. So like that's me literally getting on calls and coaching it. And we also have this wonderful community. We actually cap our group at 40 agencies okay. because at the moment, like I said to you, we <laughs> offer unlimited one-to-one -one access to me, which can't be, we can't do forever. We have to stop doing that soon. Um, and so that's how we deliver what we do. And that's what we do basically. And what we and I'd say generally speaking, our target customer is smaller than WP in terms of like um, revenue, but also in terms of staff members. We mm. we're talking about 
startups and scale-ups agencies as well. Um, yeah, and that's how that's what we do. That's how we deliver it. That's really cool. So starts small to medium, smaller staff, smaller revenue. Yeah. Um, what? How did? What do they look like at the start versus the end? Well, so you had um, Sam Winsbury on. Yeah. Right. So Sam Winsbury, when uh, he started working with us, I don't know, February twenty twenty one, just over a year ago, or about a year and a half ago. Um, like he's a classic example, right? Talented guy, um, has an idea, has a service, thinks he knows who he can do it for. So personal branding for founders, good idea, right? Um, in terms of revenue, probably doing about, he was probably doing about 5,000 pounds a month, maybe. Maybe he had like four or five clients and had no idea what he was doing, right? So didn't know how to sell, didn't know how to get more clients, was really good at personal branding because that's what he did, mm-hmm. but also didn't know how to position himself. And so we've worked with Sam now for over 18 months and like he's got over 50 clients now like and a team of nearly 15 people Mm. um so that's what the transition looks like that's a really good success story right but that's what the transition looks like one of the things we're really really strong on i would say is positioning yeah so there's loads of there's loads of business coaches out there they'll probably have a hack on how to get loads of emails and send loads of cold emails or like a new business hack right We are very much about positioning, and, and I, like I said, I draw a lot of this inspiration from the way we position ourselves. I love our new value proposition, by the way, mm. um, which is so, so cool. And a good example of that is we had um, a lady called Elle. She used to run an agency called Social, um, and it was sort of an e-commerce agency for everyone. There wasn't any sort of specific thing. And she did, in December 2021, she did about £1,000 that month. She then, we decided she was going to niche, I said niche down, she niched down into festivals and events. Mm. So she only does advertising festivals and events. And in June this year, she built over 36,000 in revenue. So like I'd say the main thing that we do, which is different, is we help people position themselves and mm. find their own unique part of the market. And because let's be honest, dude, there's no shortage of agencies. Yeah. Right? I mean, and if, and if you're an agency... And you're sitting there and on your website, the first, the main thing it is, is not about your clients or who you serve, but it's about your marketing agency or the services you do. Mm. You've got a bit, you're in trouble, mm. right? Because you fade into the background. Um, so yeah, I don't know what your question was, but I, I don't, that but that was a really interesting journey that we just went through. <laughs> but it actually leads on to something else I wanted to ask you. Okay. Your model, because yeah, you're right. I think a lot of business coaches will tend to just storm into a place and go do more outreach. And that generally works. As much as I hate receiving cold emails or cold calls, it's a numbers game. And if you get 10% of that, you, you do grow and, and the business coach gets to go see, told you. But <laughs> you don't like that very I mean, you're a big fan of cold outreach, don't get me wrong. Yeah, massive fan. But um, you always sort of said to us, and like as you, me, and Ash are generally trying to build something that people come to us. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the definition of the authority part that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, why? Why that route? So, um, so in 2022, we have an amazing opportunity to reach loads and loads of people and position ourselves in authority. So you've got to look around you at the context. Like it's never been easier, like especially on LinkedIn. If you're a B2B company and if you're an agency, you're a B2B company. Yeah. Don't, don't get it twisted. Um, it's a great opportunity. Have you heard, this, have you heard the, um, the story of the two, uh, the two men who were chopping wood? 
No. It's a funny story. So two men go and chop wood. Um, they go um, for four hours every day. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess the story up, but I hope I don't. This is quite a good one. They go for four hours every day. Uh, but every day, one of them, for one hour in the middle of the day, just leaves mm. and comes back. And yet, at the end of each day, the one that's, that's taken a break for one hour chops more wood. Right? So the next day they come back, one of them takes a break, the other one um, works for the solid four hours, but still manages to chop less wood. This goes on for days and days and days. And at the end, he's saying, where do you keep going for that hour? Yeah. And the guy's like, I just go and sharpen my axe. Right. Right? I've heard of this. Yeah, you've heard the story, Not right? the story, but yeah. If, was it Eisenhower? Somebody said it. If you give me five hours to chop a tree down, I'd spend the I'll first spend three. That, exactly, yeah. sharpen my axe, right? So if you want to do loads of outreach, do loads of outreach, right? Mm. But like, be targeted mm-hmm. in who you are. Be well positioned in how you can help. And make it really damn obvious to people who come across you that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. That's you sharpening your axe from a marketing point of view. The other, the other thing that is really important for people to understand when it comes to cold outreach is, cold outreach in my world is a top of funnel activity. Mm. I think a lot of people see cold outreach as, as, a, sales, as a sales tool. Yeah. So if I message loads of people cold, I'll get this many sales. Well, that's missing the whole funnel. Like top of outreach should be good to put loads of people into your funnel, then you've got to spend a lot of time with good content convincing them that they are, that you're there for them and that you're worth your, your uh, I don't know, you're worth listening to and then you can start converting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are treating it as a sales activity, they're not sharpening their positioning or their acts and that's why they're getting it all wrong. Um, that's, my, that's sort of my view on, on the, brand, the whole branding side of things. Makes perfect sense. Um, okay. We're, we're coming up to a point in time where I might have to peel myself off this chair. I don't want to do any more damage to your chair, but what I did want... Oh, God, that is moist. What I did want to ask you is um, this podcast being about you, what haven't I asked you? Should I have asked you something? Is there something that you want to talk about that I forgot to ask about? It's my um, favorite question. You, what haven't you asked me? It has to kind of be about you and... Yeah, because it's immediately I was going to ask me about something that I've learned from you, but probably uh, you haven't asked me that, but you wouldn't. That'd be a weird thing to ask me. Totally weird. I think one thing you probably haven't asked me, which I'm really happy about, is um, you know what will be, where will I be in in five years or ten years? Do you know? Do you no. even know which country? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have no idea. <laughs> I hope I hope we'll I hope some children, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I probably the other thing you haven't asked me is probably is what the what's the best advice I was ever given. I would really uh, like to know that. Genuinely. Yeah, and this is this is great. This is a good one that I, I heard very recently. Uh, and this is great if you are starting a new business, right? And I wish I'd known this. And this is actually not, this is, this is not advice anyone's given me because it's from Tom Hanks and I have not met Tom Hanks. Okay. But I heard Tom Hanks very recently talking on a, one of those actors roundtable things. And he said the best advice he was ever given is this too shall pass. Mm. And he's saying that, Basically, when you're on top of the world, in his world, he's just got the best part. He just smashed it. In your world, you just got a new client. You're just smashing life. You're getting amazing results to the client. This too shall pass. Equally, when you've just lost that client, by the way, World Products has never lost a client, which I'm really, really proud of. Yeah. Touch wood. Yeah. Touch wood. But that's fucking cool. Yeah. Um, but when you just lose a client, you have that terrible day, this too shall pass, right? Like, it's just the, the relentless passing of time will always equal things out. Mm. Doesn't matter how bad or good you feel. 
And the way I take that, and I've always, I always thought I did this until I started running my business, is that you just middle it all the time. Don't over-celebrate, don't over-commiserate, just middle it all the time. And uh, you'll probably be more emotionally stable after that, I would say. Okay. I'm, I, I really want to agree with that because what you've said makes a lot of emotion, like a lot of logical sense, sorry. Not necessarily a lot of emotional sense. Yeah. Do you not think that you would... And this is coming from somebody with uh, very little emotional intelligence and somebody <laughs> who's really trying to figure out how to... Uh, this is my example. Um, Christmas or birthdays, my mum, bless her, put so much thought into... Um, into like a gift or something, making the day special for me. Bless her, she's very, very sweet with this sort of thing. I've always had such a muted reaction. And <laughs> I, it's again, it's the whole not caring, right? It's a yeah. manly thing not to care. Don't care. It's not manly to express emotion. Mm -hmm. And I've had that deep rooted in me. And this has kind of been a constant in my life that I haven't necessarily done that. And I've, the one thought I keep thinking back to is, am I depriving myself of real joy or am I depriving myself of real sadness? Mm -hmm. And so by your method, if you're middling it, yeah. are you depriving yourself of celebrating, you know, of, of that true happiness that winning a new client offers? Definitely. Um, yes. And it's worth it. Trust me. Okay. But, but I'm talking also, listen, I'm talking from a business perspective. Right. And also like what I mean is if you win that client, like run into the, if you don't want to like express it publicly, run into the bathroom and like fist bump mm. in, the, <laughs> in the least way possible and so. celebrate um, <coughs> for a minute I'm do what I'm going to do next time I see Kira I'm like there's only ever run into the bathroom after a zoom call <laughs> um, yeah just give yourself a little you know um, celebrate for a minute mm. right go mental for a minute right right but then Calibrate, recalibrate, man. Yeah. Like if you if if the client loses leaves you, like yeah, you're gonna cry if you want for a minute. Yeah. Okay. And then recalibrate. Now, when it comes to personal stuff, don't ask me for advice. <laughs> <laughs> because because I leaned in, I was like, "Fucking what, man? Nice. I've been looking for this for years. I have no idea what I'm doing, and mm. I wish." I come away from those those personal moments that you've just talked about with your mum thinking, that made me so happy. Why did, why couldn't I just express it? Yeah. I don't know, dude. Yes. I haven't worked that one out. Give me a call when you, you figure that one out, <laughs> would you? Um, you know, we were talking about before we hit record that we really wish that grey cloud would stay. No, it's just, just shifted. Just left. I'm about to take my shirt off, dude. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Is I'm, that all right? I'm, I'm like, real close. As long as you don't run into the bathroom and <laughs> pump your fists or whatever, <laughs> I think we'll be cool. But uh, anyway, dog, oh, these are moist. Thank you very much, Ollie. That was a really, really fun conversation. It was great. Um, I hope for the next half an hour you spend in, in Leicester, I get to catch you again. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, we will be leaving Leicester soon. But, um, you know, Leicester's always in my heart, my friend. And uh, as far as I know, WP doesn't have any plans on me leaving Leicester, so it does not. I'll always have a foot here. Yeah, sounds good. We usually make people who are guests look into them and say thank you for watching. Please subscribe. Else you want to say thank you for watching please subscribe and if you are running your own business get yourself a sam wandy ah that's really sweet of you man